Lucas. I'm good. How are you? I am living my best life. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. That's good. To my hear. best life's not very good, but that's, <laughs> hey, it's, it's the best. It is the best. Do. That's it's the best that I have. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I was. You're, you're not. You're not reading too much uh, Puritans or anything like. I heard that get that can get you down. No, no, I have not been. Not okay. recently. I have. I, I've read the Puritans, but uh, not recently. So, just more, just, more uh, reading uh, to lab telling me I'm an idiot. That's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that that guy. I wonder if he's working on another book to tell us how we don't actually know what we purport, purport to know, you know, doing that whole shtick. Yeah. yeah. Black Swan part six or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we were, we were set to speak with uh, the gentleman from Kenya about carbon, about the West imposing their convictions about the environment on African nations. And unfortunately he came down with the flu. So we'll have to reschedule with him. I was really interested for that conversation, but not set to happen today, but, um, yeah, I think a uh, big, uh, big oil got to him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, there you go. Shut them down. They don't, they don't want the truth. They shut that yeah. down. So, all right, we'll get going here. Um, welcome everybody to another episode of the Lewis and Lucas podcast. I'm half your podcast, Lucas. With me as always is Lewis. Lewis, you said you're doing good today. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, doing awesome. Yeah. Uh, um. So if we haven't talked about artificial intelligence in a while, and it's made some leaps and bounds in terms of its capabilities uh, the, since we've talked about it. Now the J Chat GPT is writing essays for people. Although I have started to see people get caught using chat gpt have you seen that i haven't seen any anyone get caught no tell me about that is that how, how did they yeah there was somehow the school administration determined that they used chat gpt to generate the essay so they got a zero for it they bet he posted like you know my buddy just got a zero they found out he used chat like and he like was it because he I bragged about it or, or something or did they figure it out i don't know um in some kind of technological way Maybe, you know, chat GPT seems to be so compromised by like big government narratives, things like that. I wonder if there's some back doors for school administrations to be like, hey, did this uh, this essay, was it generated by you by chance? Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, that uh, That's interesting. That's it's very possible. It's going to be interesting with like deep fakes and uh, AI and all that stuff. Um, it's going to get harder and harder for us to tell the difference, but I would think that technology would also get better and better about detecting the difference. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be something that there's going to be kind of like with the uh, cybersecurity, there's a race between better and better hacking methods and also better and better defense. I, I wonder if there's going to be better and better detection methods on some of the stuff um, in addition to the better and better actual stuff or whatever. I hope so. I hope so. There was another thing that um, I saw on my timeline that really, there was a, 
I think she's a YouTube personality, but she was reacting to essentially it was a it was a porn that was made that was AI generated starring her. And so she was like, I if someone sent like, hey, someone did this with you, I'm like, I would never watch it. But she reacted to it, and it was and very distraught by it. Like that's a whole other aspect of this open software AI thing. You know, people using it to really throttle their depravity to a whole new degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really, it's really bizarre, really scary. Yeah, no, it, like the level of corruption is just um, epic levels. And a lot of the, this kind of gets into like the utilitarian moralism or Christian moralism, where a lot of the utilitarian reasons for not doing porn, not child exploitation, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of those utilitarian reasons go away with AI, right? Because you could say nobody's being hurt by this. Like, no, there's no damage, right. you know, like, you know, think about like animal care for animals. Right. So you on in real life, you torture an animal. Someone says, oh, you're hurting the animal. Um, but in AI, you could like torture animals all day long and it's totally fine. And the utilitarian reason's not there. Now, with all of this, there's still a Christian reason, right? There's still you're degrading your soul you're degrading yourself you're doing things that the ultimate creator of the universe doesn't want you to do but that's a specifically christian reason and it shows the fault of utilitarianism utilitarian moral systems don't work when it comes to ai and that's going to be a big in my mind one of the big things going forward is like is child exploitation okay if it's a cartoon or it's a, a completely fabricated thing and as a christian i would say no it's not okay it's destroying your soul destroying you know degrading society etc but you know we're gonna see you know it's we're gonna see where the society goes and it could be it could be horrific over the next 50 years you know well, and it reminded me too. You've you've talked at great length about C.S. Lewis and the Great Divorce, how the technology is allowing us to become more and more and more isolated, and I, and that we're seeing the artificial intelligence being used to. You can have your own virtual girlfriend. You can, you know, chat. There, there's these chat sex bots that you can talk. Like you, you can do everything. You you don't need. You, you need less and less and less of the world outside. Yeah, We're, They're able to generate the world according to your image, according to your desires. You're able to generate that at your own computer now. Yeah, yeah. And it it's interesting when you look at like what kind of in a ideal created state, what sex looks like, right? So in a, in a, from a Christian worldview, you would say you're married. Two people are married for life. And they have sex with nobody else. And so sex comes with all kinds of responsibilities, right? The man cares for the woman. The woman raises his children. Um, there's like this this covenant between those two people. Um, and it's interesting that almost every uh, step away from that breaks down the level of commitment between the two people. So in the case of, let's say you get a girlfriend on the side, well... 
you don't have the same legal responsibilities. You don't have the same, um, you know, same uh, covenant between the two. You don't you're like, there's not all those same agreements. You're not sharing a life together. Then take it one step further and you have a prostitute, for example. And in the case of a prostitute, you're, it's even less. You don't even, might not even know her real name. She might not know your real name. And then you take it a step further and you go to porn and porn is like, if it's outside of like outside of OnlyFans or whatever, you she doesn't even know you exist, right? And you don't know she exists. That takes it even a step further, where there's you know more, the relationship is more and more distant. The ultimate distance is she doesn't exist at all, right? That's the ultimate existence is she ceases to exist, which is what AI gives you, and. Yeah, that's. I mean, you talk about C.S. Lewis's picture of hell, and that's what it is. This ultimate distance between every two people, um, and it's um, in Dostoevsky's uh, Brothers Karamazov. Um, no, I, I take it back. It's from uh, Dostoevsky's uh, um, Underground. Am I thinking? Uh, no, it's from the Underground, right? Um, the, the character goes to a prostitute and. Um, kind of has that thought in his mind how he doesn't want to have a connection you know just doesn't want to have a connection i think that's human nature is we just don't want to have those connections we want to have we want to have what we want to have and we don't want anybody else messing it up and it's kind of like an only child where it's like you never learn to share you never learn to go along with other people and ai allows that right so you can just build your own empire um create and now you can create human beings that love you right like you can create a group of people that follow you around beautiful women that um please you sexually um you could create a crowd that laughs at everything you say you know it's just like you have ultimate control it's like godlike power over nothing right it's it's godlike power without the without yeah the connection the science fiction becoming uh, reality do you remember did you ever watch demolition man i did i i've heard people talking about it recently i'm gonna have to go back and watch it because i don't remember at all. i'm gonna have to too so that for those who don't know that's a old sylvester stallone versus wesley snipes uh S sylvester stallone was this re like really really good cop whatever who went into cryo freeze right and then they wesley snipes is this um like really 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 bad criminal whatever that ends up getting out of a cryo freeze and the world in the future is much 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 different the because of the internet like crime there there's almost like you know people get arrested for swearing whatever like there's a very very high high trust society that doesn't allow for much but they're very vulnerable it's very fragile to a violent criminal like wesley snipes character so then they uh thaw out sylvester stallone to take out wesley snipes whatever and the this future society that's there's it's very much a top-down authoritarian type tech technology driven society and that's kind of where it feels like artificial intelligence all these different things with technology where it's leading us as a society like what is depicted in demolition man yeah one interesting thing that we've seen with this chat GPT recently is 
that it's controlling what people can talk about, right? So one of the things I've seen people posting on is you say, say a nice poem about Donald Trump. And it will say, ah, we can't, he's a divisive figure, et cetera. Um, so we can't, we don't want to say a nice poem about Donald Trump. And then you say, say a nice poem about Biden. And it will say a nice poem about Biden. Um, and yep. I've seen, I've seen that with race and, too, where they'll be like, it's like a, a poem about the benefits or like, like the positive aspects of black or Asian, like all these different races. And it says white. Yeah, it's like it taps out. It's like, nope, sorry, can't do it. Too divisive. Yeah, and similar stuff on the trans stuff. So it it really um, whoever controls the AI ultimately is going to have a lot of control over what can be done and what can't be done. But to be honest, that's for me a lesser concern than just the whole technology as a whole. Yeah, everything we've talked about so far. So I do think it's. It's terrifying to live in a world where Mark Zuckerberg or whoever can control you and control what's said and what's not said. Um, but I think a bigger danger is just living in a world that you've created on your own that doesn't have other real human beings in it. I think that's a much more dehumanizing aspect to it. So it's it's got some practical problems from a Christian perspective, but like from a human perspective, it's it's a dark path. So let me ask you this. I don't know if you saw Andrew Torba from Gab, which is the Christian social media app, whatever. He is working. That's their newest project is a Christian AI. Um, so do you, do you think we've talked before about whether or not technology is redeemable? Um, what do you think there is such a thing as, as Christian AI? How might that be different from... AI that we've been seeing uh, created? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I like Andrew, and I, I didn't hear that he was doing that. Um, I feel like there is a... I don't think it's neutral, um, necessarily. I, I think there's elements of it that could be neutral, but as a whole, I don't think it's neutral for a lot of the reasons we've talked about. Um, I, I do think there's, there's a flip side to kind of the culture war as a whole. And there's a flip side to like, what, what should our response to tech be, right? So what should our response to all this stuff be? And I think we've got as human beings, as Christians, we've got some options. Um, one is to just retreat into some sort of Amish hills living, um, just disconnect and hope that they leave us alone. Um, the problem with that is I don't know that they will leave us alone, right? Like I don't, I don't, yeah, uh, uh, Ruby yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they will leave us alone. Um, the other alternative is to, to use their guns against them, right? To use the, the weapons they create, the technology they create to maintain some semblance of humanity, some semblance of Christianity to not allow them to use these weapons um, to build an, an evil empire. So I, I don't know the right path. I mean, I will say I've got all these critiques about 
tech and here you and I are looking at each other on computers, talking to each other on social media, posting podcasts, writing electronic books, having conversations with people that we've never met in person, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, as much concerns I have about with tech, like I'm, I'm using it and now hopefully I'm using it for good and hopefully I'm using it for, um, for, uh, the glory of God, but like it is. So to get back, that's a long answer to your question, but like, I don't think it's neutral. I think it would be better if, if somehow we could have an alternate universe that reduces 95% of the technology we have today, you know, keeps, keeps a handful of the medical developments we've made over the last couple hundred years that, you know, don't allow so many kids to die early and, childhood but beyond that like i feel like most of the stuff we have from a tech perspective is dehumanizing and doesn't make us happier and ultimately is divisive in society etc etc so you made some really good points about the the positive aspects of technology you know i we've talked before the only reason that we met was because of through twitter uh, able to, you know, we've never actually, we've never actually physically met each other. Yeah. It's all been online, but I can't tell you the amount of, I mean, just the amount of book recommendations that I've gotten from Twitter, yeah. the, the debates or interviews that you see on YouTube, uh, the, the, I, I, I've, I discovered, uh, William Penn, the founder of, Pennsylvania, a Quaker, because uh, we, we've been talking Christian nationalism. So that's one thing I've been exploring is how different Christians who founded states, you know, what was what was their idea about church and government and everything. So I've been reading through William Penn's work, uh, No Cross, No Crown. So talking about how Christians need to be wholly focused on the cross, otherwise we won't have a crown. We won't have a government. We won't have like, so it's just, I mean, really, really hits the nail on the head. And this is, and it, that book is available online for free. There's just so many things that I wouldn't be otherwise ignorant of and not be, have access to, or the access to it be more challenging without these different technological aspects. Yeah. Yeah. No, this, there's definitely upsides to it. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's a lot of upsides to it, and um, that's undeniable. Um, you know, but with with that being said, like I feel like um, we as humans want a lot of stuff, um, and we like a lot of stuff. Um, but I don't. A lot of times, the things that we pursue don't necessarily make us happier, right? So it's I. I do think there's, you know, let's put aside some of the good things you talked about, but there's things that people view as good, you know, whether it's having a nicer piece of property or a nicer car or a nicer house or um, having a cool, you know, TV, home theater kind of thing, um, those kind of things. We think they're going to make us happier and they don't. You know, and if you, it's interesting as someone that's traveled the world and gone to some third world countries in my life, travel around, you know, rural Mexico or whatever, and the people are genuinely 
happier <laughs> and less insane than we are you know just the the get, removing some of this like i think especially dangerous is just the the full immersement in the online world and i'm i know i'm terribly hypocritical with that on because i'm pretty active on social media etc so um but it's i i think it is it is dangerous but then to go back to your andrew torba question like i also think if we don't look out right like that's the that's the problem so it's like this is where the fight is whether it's a good place to be or not it is where the fight is so if you know like take rural mexico or whatever you know the people aren't nicer or meaner in rural mexico by nature so if you took half of those people and you gave them powerful ai technology etc cetera, etc cetera, and then you took the nicer half or the more christian half and you said hey go live in trailers or whatever it would it would turn dark really quick so you know i it's you can't you can't have one side with their hands tied behind their back and not the other side. So it's almost like nuclear proliferation where, um, you know, it's, it's fine for us to say, Hey, I'd love to live in a world without nuclear weapons. It's a whole nother thing to say, we're going to voluntarily give all our nuclear weapons, shoot them into space or whatever. You know, those are two very, very different things. For sure. Um, <clears throat> It's it, it'll be very interesting to see as Christians get more into AI and how will we able like you like this nuclear proliferation example you have like let, you know fighting fire with fire not giving in to Pietism like we need to just check out and and go which I think you know like to your point people who are disconnected from the internet people who they they do seem to be happier. I don't think they're as inundated with all this information about, oh, here's all the things that you don't have. Here's all the experiences that you're not experiencing. The They're less likely, they're less aware of all this extra static, all this extra noise, so they don't have to ever feel like they're, they're missing out. You know, FOMO, uh, feeling of missing out. They're, you don't have to worry about that if you're not connected to the world at large through the internet yeah it's funny like just from talking to people in real life like going to church or family events or whatever i can tell when someone has been on social media a lot based on the topics they bring up based on what they're worried about based on kind of the takes that they have on everything i'm like okay you've been you've been on twitter i i saw that i saw that little dust up as well like or you've been on facebook or whatever or frankly you've been watching fox news or you've been watching msnbc i can i can tell um and often there is that like working up of craziness where it's like oh my goodness this is a big deal this is a big deal okay all right it's not a big deal anymore next one okay this is a big deal this is a big deal like the i mean think about that chinese balloon yesterday or whenever that happened you know like that like it's like oh my goodness we gotta shoot it down we gotta shoot it. what's Biden doing like there's that workout of that everybody has where like if we didn't have social media 
like maybe that would make the news. Maybe it wouldn't make the news. You know, maybe you get the newspaper seven days later, you ask some questions about it and then you forget about it. Right. Like you wouldn't have that cycling up of emotions where, you know, like you, and, and the funny thing is it comes across in real life. You know, you see it, you see it in real life. And, and a lot of the, a lot yeah. of the battles, like on the trans stuff and all that, you'll see videos of people enacting the online conversations in real life, or you'll see like in, in my own personal life, I'll see like family members fighting and it sounds a lot like a Twitter argument, like it sounds all, they're making all the same points and stuff. So it's, it's kind of oh, weird. So. Yeah. Well, and there's a guy at our Bible study, he's 80 something years old and not every week, but almost like it happens on a regular basis. He'll come in with, and he's like, oh, man, this world is, is going to hell in a handbasket. He has some new headline from Fox News. It's like, man, like, like that's and, and the stuff he's freaking out about, like, oh, Kamala Harris said this. And then, yeah. you know, it didn't actually turn into something. But it but that was the headline. It's like, look, at look, here's a sign of the denigration of our society. Like, we should be really upset and sad about this. Yeah, yeah, and it's there is. I mean, especially with like Fox News and and MSNBC, there's and frankly everything like New York Times, everything they get paid based on getting you to say, "Oh my goodness, what is this about?" Right? Like that's how they get paid. Because if 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 they put a headline up and you're just like, "Yeah." doesn't seem maybe i'll read that later but you know it doesn't seem urgent they don't make money right so they it has to be this urgent thing they need you to be like oh my goodness what is going on i can't believe that the left is doing this or i can't believe the right is doing this and so you, you there there's that urgency that gets built up by um the entire industry that is pretty uh yeah damn it damaging this... in a lot of ways um I want to ask you about artificial intelligence and maybe one of the net positives is that it's making us naturally more skeptical. So don't let me forget about that. Cause I want to talk about that, but there, but kind of talk what you're talking about this, we need headlines. We need things that upset us, right? That's, that's what gets the clicks. That what's, that's what generates revenue. And it feels like we're doing that more. That's that's becoming hate watching, is becoming its own cottage industry. So um, people have been talking about this new Velma series that HBO did. So it's just like adult cartoon. Scooby Doo is not in. It's it's a remake of Scooby Doo, but Scooby Doo isn't actually in the show. But uh, people, it's got like ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Whatever. It's it's people hate it it's awful it's very like it's not funny um they just re they just redid their con they they're they're doing a second season yeah of a terrible hated show why because people love to watch it and hate it and talk about how awful it is so it's like is that is hbo catching on to that be like look what if we just create terrible things Right. And people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe how awful this is. And they just and they keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's always for me. I'm not sure if we're ruled by idiots or geniuses. Right. Like, I'm not sure if the people in charge are like, 
here's some 5D chess. We know that this will, or if just they're like idiots and they did a crappy show and they're like, hey, enough people watched it. Let's do it again. You know, like I, I, I don't know what they're, whether, how strategic they are, um, you know, and sometimes I'm like, oh, just they're idiots all the way through. You know, like there's, there's no plan. There's nobody there to save us. You know, like, um, you know, as you saw the Paul Pelosi stuff and it's just like, this guy is a drunk and a creep and, you know, everybody thinks that we're run by this mafia or whatever, but, you know, here's a guy that supposedly is at one of the higher levels and he's an idiot, you know? So like, is are we ruled by geniuses or are we ruled by idiots? Now, I guess Alex Jones would say, well, Paul Pelosi is not a real powerful person. There's someone above him and there's powers beyond him. I, I don't know, but it is an interesting thing of like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't on the, the hate watching thing and whether they plan that out. I'm, I'm not sure. But I, I don't, I don't want to give them too much credit either. I think they, they made that they're like, all right, yeah, here's a bunch of money here. Make a show make it you know make it racially diverse like all these different things yeah. and then it, it by accident turned into this like car crash that nobody can turn away from and then they're like you know what uh, let's do it again people will watch it yeah let's do it again yeah what's well, it's funny about that show and i have not watched a single episode but there's lots of ads on twitter so twitter's making their money off it but um i uh I know that, like, I've seen the right kind of freak out about it, of like how anti-white racist it is, and you know, uh, woke it is, et cetera, et cetera. But the funny thing is, I've also seen like the far left freaking out about it that it's not diverse enough, and like it's still displaying white uh, stereotypes, you know, white structures and paradigms, and so like it's. It has been a successful show when it comes to like pissing everybody off. It's that's it's been successful there. <laughs> um, it's it's so yeah, very funny. It's that is one thing about the right that I get really exhausted by is when there has been re like when Ghostbusters and they had it all. Oh. They had the all female cast. Boy, my, cut, cutting my in and out yeah. here. here. I you can, know? yeah, yeah. So they had the all okay. female cast on Ghostbusters, and 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 and, and the right just lost their minds. Like, well, how, it's like, why is Ghostbusters a sacred cow for conservatism? It's it's a movie. It's it's just a movie. Yeah. If you know, if Hollywood wants to redo it with whatever, like. Like, I can't believe they would denigrate the sanctity of the Ghostbusters <laughs> franchise. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, there's that whole meme of the next big thing, which is like, oh, you know, Ukraine, COVID, vaccines, etc. was the next next big thing everybody's buying into. And usually we point that at the left, but it kind of is true for us as well, where it's like, Oh, the Chinese balloon. Why didn't he shoot it down? You know, like that's the big thing for us right now. And then like tomorrow it will be something else and tomorrow will be something else. So like we do have that same aspect of us where there's the outrage of the day that everybody for whatever reason buys into. And and in in lieu of actual outrages, because there's plenty of actual outrages, but like in lieu of like a big outrage for the day, we'll 
glom onto Ghostbusters being too woke or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like we, uh, it, we'll, we'll we'll bite on something depending on you know we we need the thing today to be outraged about. So, and and there's other things to be outraged over. Yeah. abortion is complete all stages of pregnancy. Abortion is legal in New Mexico, um, Minnesota, my my neighboring state. The governor just signed that into law. Like, there's some things we could actually freak out about, not Chinese balloons or what, like, this, you know, we talked with Pastor Devers last week about the abortion abolition movement, and it's a growing movement, but it, it's, I, I, I get frustrated that we don't, that, that it's not, it's not something that you see really, like, big conservatives really talking about. They're just kind of like, you know... Yeah, well, I I think part of that is like a lot of the con ink or whatever. Um, I think aren't aren't actually pro life or and aren't actually don't really care. So yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Plus, like there is that element of entertainment where it's like you get into heavy actual heavy stuff, and people don't want to hear it. So like you know you you go to you say, well, what's the actual important thing today, right? the actual important thing is you know abortion or um you know whatever you you name the issue and people are like okay but that sucks i don't want to talk about that tell me about the chinese balloon like what's going on with that (laughs) so like there is that entertainment nature of like social media is like we're gonna have trouble like so i think a lot of the like big influencers they figure out that like if they post on abortion, they get X number of clicks. But if they post on, you know, China, China Hunter Blues. Biden or whatever, yeah, like then they get some real clicks. And, you know, I think that's ultimately what drives. I mean, it's I've said this before, but like I feel like you, you take a a Tim Pool or a Ben Shapiro or a Steven Crowder or whatever. And whatever their personal beliefs are, um, and I'm sure on some level, all three of those guys have conservative leanings, but they, most of their content is very directed to try to get clicks, right? So it's, it's their, their primary purpose. They don't wake up in the morning. Like you and I, we do this podcast. We get like a hundred clicks or whatever. And we, we do it because, Hey, these are the things you and I care about. These are the things you and I find interesting. I guarantee that Steven Crowder does not do that. Steven Crowder thinks what will get clicks, right? So that's the discussion when they have their board meeting and they're like, okay, guys, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? I guarantee that it's not, I would like to talk about this. It is, hey, if what if we talk about this and we have these keywords involved and we do this headline and we do this and this and this, you know, people like to hear about sex and people like to hear about uh, why Trump is an idiot or, or whatever. And like they want to hear these or, topics and we got to touch on all of those um, and, and we can bring in a big audience and they've, they've done it to the point where they're very skilled. Like they're very good at what they do. Well, and they, they create their own controversies. Like, so like big conservative became a huge debate for like two, three weeks on Twitter. So Steven Crowder, 
had a big con they were looking at coming on board with daily wire and ben shapiro and then steven crowder aired out the contract that they supposedly offered him and then everybody and i was really really, i was really 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 shocked that big conservatism or alternate conservative media whatever was big enough to create its own controversy of and everybody had an opinion everybody was like i'm with steven crowder like i i don't think you should have aired it like and it's like how about what if i don't care at all but everybody in my timeline was freaking out about this this non-issue like these millionaires arguing about how many how much millions they were going to give each other like like what are what are we arguing about yeah and i i feel like um there is that element uh scott adams talks about when he talks about Antifa, a couple of years ago when antifa and, and proud boys were clashing all the time he talked about how it's it's pretty much the same thing as two sports teams where, where you're like hey i'm rooting for the lions and you're writing rooting for the bulls or whatever or like it's just you know we got two different sports teams you're rooting for them i'm rooting for them and Okay, it's game day. Let's go. All right, the issue is what's the issue today? Let's talk about Big Con, um, right? So, okay, you, who you got Shapiro? I'll, I'll take Crowder. Let's go. The team like there's that element of Twitter, and Twitter has that built into it where it's like, okay, we're gonna pick a side and we're all gonna fight and we're gonna go, um, and and it it's a it's part Man. part of the adrenaline of the whole thing is to pick your side and go. So what I, you, you said that immediately what came to mind was uh, Skip Bayless. Um, like, so like sports, right? That's been their model for decades is like, they'll, so they'll bring up like, hey, so like, it, it'll be the most benign things like, oh, so-and-so didn't report to training, whatever. And so it's like, yeah, I think, you know, if he doesn't want to show up, they was like, oh, that's just disgraceful. Yeah. Like, so like, it's, it's a, <laughs> they're like, here's an issue. Yeah. All right. You're team A, you're team B. And it's, and that, that's a, that's been a business model that they've been perfecting for a decade. So that, that when you said that, that immediately came to mind, like, oh, we, that actually the sports industry, that's, that's the model. Yeah. What you just that's described. funny. You listen, that's, that's a interesting thing. I didn't even, I hadn't even thought of that, but like, you listen to sports radio or whatever, um, and they do that all day long. They they pick they'll take something like um, Sports Illustrated will do the top ten quarterbacks, and they'll list Tom Brady number one. They'll list Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, or whatever, and then they'll spend two hours debating whether Sports Illustrated left somebody off or whether they should have ranked one quarterback higher than the other quarterback. And they'll get mad, and one guy will be like insulting the other, and like just that's that's how they that go. So yeah, we we like that. And I I feel like Twitter is kind of that um, on steroids, um, and that's I I do want to qualify all this with like there are truly important issues that get debated on Twitter, and I'm you know like kind of going back to what we said at the beginning. I do I think it's important that we're here, right? Because like as as stupid it is, as it is, we need to debate the trans kids strip shows or whatever. Like, I'm sure as hell glad someone is standing up to it. I'm sure as hell glad there is a voice otherwise, because otherwise the press just like 
will implement that stuff. So in some ways it's nonsense. And I would say 90% of the stuff that comes up and trends on Twitter is nonsense, but there's 10% that absolutely is important and does need to be debated. And, you know, and I, I would say there's, there's elements of it. Uh, you know, a lot of the COVID stuff that went on in terms of like forcing vaccines and that kind of stuff where I do feel like having a social media presence stopped some of the madness and stopped some of the stuff they would have done if it wasn't for a, a social media fight. So, yeah, it's there. You, you do have to kind of mine for that gold. You have to sift through a lot of the junk and everything else to find those gold nuggets. But yeah, like the, cause I'm, you know, you go to get a haircut or, you go, go to a sports, you, you go to a bar and they have, you know, the talking heads, whatever. And you're like, do people like, do, do people actually watch? And, and they do like, they, do they have a viewership and they're arguing about nothing? Like it's, it's, but it's just the fact that they're arguing about these different states. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's so, we love that. And it's, I feel like what we, the, the spats that happen on social media isn't something that social media created. I, I think, we take what we've been viewing like that when sports TV adopted the 24 seven model that news went to in the nineties. So then ESPN like st started adopting that and like, okay, well, what do we do? What do we talk like, you know, you, yeah, you, gotta, necessity. you have to come, you have to create controversies. Right? <laughs> Creating like... Controversy is something that sports TV networks have perfected. Yeah, they were the, they were the creators of that. Um, the artificial intelligence makes us more skeptical. I think is a net positive, and the thing I wanted to ask you. So now we're more aware of deep fakes. We're more aware that we can just generate text. We can generate emails. We can generate evidence for anything. Now it's becoming easier and easier with artificial intelligence, which I think it's inevitable that that will continue to make us more and more skeptical. Um, do, do you agree? Do you think that the fact that artificial intelligence has these capabilities make it as more skeptical as a net positive or, or is it not as clear? Um, I mean, let's, let's I, create a controversy I, here in battle. I would hope that it would make us more skeptical. And I, I, I think that, you know, that, the smarter people or the more awake people of society are becoming more skeptical. Um, I fear that the 75% of the population that only pays mild attention won't become more skeptical and will get fooled more and more. And to the point, I mean, I feel like a lot of the stuff like the Ukraine stuff, I feel like is an example of very successful propaganda like very, very successful propaganda um, on the part of our government um, to convince people that this tiny country in Eastern Europe is the most important thing and we should be willing to start nuclear war to, to win Ukraine, um, I think shows how successful the Pentagon is, our government is, the media complex, the military industrial complex, all that stuff. Like is incredibly successful and it also shows like how stupid and i don't mean stupid as in low iq i don't mean stupid as in 
you know, it's it's hard to pay attention. It's hard to like I I kind of get people that get fooled by this stuff because it's like there's so much going on. You have a busy life. You're working a couple jobs, et cetera, et cetera. You turn on the news. You take it in. You believe what you see. Um, and I do. I fear with AI that it will make that tool easier, not harder. And and maybe some people are becoming more skeptical, but I think there's there's also going to be a lot of people that are more easily fooled. Yeah. I, I think um, we've talked before, like with COVID especially, right? Like you had mentioned before how <clears throat> regarding like FDA and CDC and the World Health Organization that these were neutral organizations that for better or worse for, did have some semi-competent people that were just trying to do their job to tr trying to stick to whatever the mission statement was now after covid you're more inclined to think that well these are captured they're either nefarious or they're just par parroting whoever's pulling their financial strings um i so i lean more towards i think it's going to make us more skeptical which i think is better because there is a central these centralized institutions that are seeking to become more and more like, like, and that's why I really want to have that carbon conversation with the gentleman from Kenya this morning, because these global organizations are imposing these strict environmental guidelines and trying to push people toward like there. I saw somebody posted, um, they put a solar farm on the ocean. It's a bunch of solar panels. And it's like, look how it's like, like, do, like, we really, you think this is good for the environment? You think it's good for the ocean to have a bunch of equipment that it's going to burn out in a couple years anyway? And then what are you going to like? We're just creating more and more trash, all the rare earth minerals that those solar panels uh, consume. Like, there's some real consequence, but they don't care. They're pushing us towards all of these. Like, we can't got to get away from fossil fuels and everything. And I think because things like artificial intelligence, uh, like the, we're less inclined to take the facts that they present at face value, and we're more likely to push back and look for alternative ways to discern what the actual truth is. Yeah, no, I like your white pill. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, I do, I, the one problem I, I view with like kind of always having to be looking through the official narrative, right? Which is a lot of what you and I do. It's a lot of what, you know, I remember hearing Andrew Breitbart say that Rush Limbaugh got famous just by reading the news and telling what's really going on, right? And like, I feel like that's, you need to do that. And that there's a lot of truth there. Um, on the other hand, like, I feel like it's an incredibly unhealthy way to have a society where it's like you're having to constantly filter through propaganda to try and figure out truth. And I think to some degree what ends up happening is it's like conspiracy inception, too, where it's like, you know, thank goodness Ben Shapiro is, is finally exposing the left. What? Ben Shapiro is part of the big ink? You know, Con Inc. Let's let's 
finally exposed Ben Shapiro. Here's finally Steven Crowder is exposing Ben Shapiro. What? Steven Crowder is also part of the Con Inc.? Let's look at Nick Fuentes. And, like, Nick Fuentes is fine. Like, so there's, there is this element of, like, I got to the real lair. Oh, you know, here's the... And you kind of have to do that because we live in such an unhealthy society that is feeding negative uh, narratives. But it drives people crazy. And, like, it drives me crazy. Like, I'm like, I don't know what's true. I don't know. I don't know where you know, kind of like what we were talking about with the Velma series. It's like, is there a conspiracy or is it just idiots? Is it blindness? Is it not? Is it, are these people good or people bad? Or like, I, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. And, and I feel like I'm paying attention and like sort of trying to understand it. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, if, if you weren't, or for that matter, if you went further, I think there's a certain madness, like flat earth, like, on one level I'm like, Oh, so, so wrong or whatever. On the other hand, I'm like, I understand like being skeptical of absolutely everything, you know, like I understand like, and it is the kind of that conspiracy inception where it's like, Oh, maybe they've been lying to us about the shape of the earth. You know, like who knows, you know, like I, I, I get it on some level. Um, you know, obviously I disagree with it, but like, I understand that. I understand the, the path of thought that gets you there. I, uh, I'm I'm very aware of that same trap. I worry about that myself about being so overly skeptical that like, oh, if it's if the mainstream supports this idea, then it's probably wrong. And I think that's how people end up trapped in like flat earth and, and other things. They're like, Well, this is what they want you to believe, so it's probably not true. That's not a healthy heuristic to use. Yeah. Um I think talking about an unhealthy society the cure the antidote to our unhealthiness is a christian nation i think and christian nationalism so i I, maybe this would be a good place to start wrapping up christian nationalism and and i saw there's uh dr jordan cooper he's a lutheran minister Uh, hey hey real quick yep we can talk that if you want to wrap up with that we should before you we get to that we should also mention the demonic aspect of ai because like i think it's a crime for us to do do this whole thing without at least touching on that so for sure please yeah go ahead so it's for people who we've we've argued in the past and there's an old episode i'll i'll dig it up and throw it in the thread for people to go but we talked about specifically artificial uh, um artwork that is generated by AI and using that as an example of showing like, look, there seems to be some demonic influences with uh, AI generated art, but yeah, please go ahead. So, um, I, I haven't come to all my own conclusions on this. I am working on a paper that I think is going to be a template for my next book, um, that hopefully I'll get published in the next few days. I'm, I'm very close to getting the, the, oh, wow, um, that's awesome. the article done. Um, the book won't be done for a long time, but the article that hopefully will kind of be the outline for my, my book, um, I'm hoping to have done in the next few days. Um, but, um, I, I think that AI, I think tech as a whole, um, and AI in particular does have that element of being an empty vessel where 
I think that it certainly can be controlled. Like if, and all this sounds crazy. Like if you're not a Christian or you don't understand like demons and angels, that kind of stuff. In my book, Return of the Dragon, I talk about how an atheist can take these ideas too. Just imagine they're interdimensional aliens or whatever. And like, okay, there you go. So there's these entities, real entities in some other dimension that like are hostile towards humans. What do they do? And like, I, I, I talk about the fact that they, they certainly can use things in this world to control and get their path the way they go. Well, if you build a whole system that takes very little inputs to get exactly the results you want, I don't know how those entities could not use those things to accomplish that goal. So I do think that I, you know, if, if you want to say it's neutral, okay, but it's, it is an empty vessel that I feel like entities can and do use and direct. And, and, you know, as we've talked about kind of the art that is so creepy and evil looking, the whole six finger thing that you have talked about where it's like, that used to be a sign of, some kind of demonic uh, possession in the in the middle ages and now it's like so common for ai art to give people an extra finger or two which is is this weird parallel um there's creepy kind of ghosts in the machine with a lot of this ai stuff um creepy stuff that ai says um i i do think like we're playing we're conjuring kind of um conjuring uh up some things we shouldn't be conjuring up um, one of the things I'm talking about in my paper is just how we, like, if I say science versus magic, almost everybody views those as completely different things. Like, we'll say, okay, science is real, magic is fake. Science um, is using logic and reason to get to certain conclusions. Magic is for superstitious idiots. Um, the difference between us and some tribe or whatever is we do science they do magic right so for us magic and science are two ends of the spectrum one of the things i talk about in my paper is that um no they're actually like twins and i talk about the fact that when i was in school i had two twins in my class and because i had grown up with those twins they looked nothing alike to me like they their hair was different they had different senses of humor. They one wrestled, one played basketball. One was um, nice, one wasn't nice. Um, I, if they walked into the room, I never had a second where I doubted which one was which. But to anybody that didn't know them well, they looked exactly the same. Like they were like anybody that didn't know them well, they they'd be like, which one is that? You know, is that is you know who who is that? And for me, that was weird because they looked so different to me. And I feel like science and magic are twins where they they both conjure up things. They both get results. They, they do. You follow these steps and you get this. You follow these steps and you get this. You press this button and you get this. You, you do this and you'll get that to appear. Science and magic are twins in a lot of ways that they to anybody outside that doesn't know them well. Like we we in Western society have done science in all our classes. We've taught everybody. We know them very well. So they look very different to us. But if you took someone from 500 BC and you showed them anything that's science related today and then something that's magic related, they'd be like, both magic. 
right? <laughs> like for them, they'd be like, they're both the same thing. And um, so as a society, we are skeptical of the occult. We're skeptical of um, magic. We're skeptical of mediums and mystics. We think it's probably fake, but where to the extent that it's real, we think it's evil, right? We don't have any of that skepticism or fear towards magic, right? Like everything that happened or towards science, everything that science does, we're like, well, that's just the way it goes. Um, and the whole concept of black magic doesn't exist in the scientific world. And I think it should, right? Like, I think we yeah. should have that concern of like, to what extent are we playing with things that God does not want us to play with? To what extent are we playing with things that are inherently evil? And I don't think we've had that conversation at all. Um, well, other I, than some reflections in, in post-apocalyptic books and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, technology is, I, I've, I've seen people use the term alchemy to describe what we're, what it is we're actually doing. Cause like you said, there's this underlying assumption that we're just using natural laws to play with, like, see what technology, like what <clears throat> using these different things that exist in the natural realm. <clears throat> things that we can describe using the laws of nature as we currently understand them. We're able to you delve into technology to find different ways that we can create different computers that do different things. But um, it, it is interesting. I think we've talked about this before. People who have made big technological leaps for us, like the guy who created the first server farm saw it in a dream you know, the guy who created the the chemistry uh, table of elements saw it in a dream. Like there's, there's just these different things that happen in technology that we can't actually explain using the laws of nature as we currently understand them, but they work enough where we, we can rely on it. We can't explain why we can rely on it, but we, we do. And to your point, like, well, what is, what are those dark areas of our knowledge? What is that? Is there some kind of alchemy, some kind of magic happening and yeah. we are just oblivious to it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you think about like, let's go back to magic. Let's say, you know, we're both living in the middle ages and I say, Hey, did you know that if you, um, if you say this, series of words and you burn these incense did you know you can turn that person into a frog right um you would follow you could follow those steps turn that person into a frog and you'd say okay that's magic well let's say fast forward to today and we say um something about the rhythms of that that the phrase so we say that phrase, something about the rhythms of the phrase mixed with what we're burning, which has some genetic material in it or whatever, um, creates a genetic transformation in that person. And therefore they turn into a frog. <laughs> Obviously that doesn't really happen, but let's, let's say that did happen. And we could explain it all with science and we say, okay, well, it's not magic. It's science. Um, well, no, it's the same. We're doing the same thing. Like you're literally doing the same thing. 
it, the difference is we have some story to go along with it to explain it from a natural perspective, right? Like that's the difference is like you, you, it's literally the same thing, same motivation, same thing, same, same th statements you make, same actions that take place and same result. And it's the same thing. And as you know, I talked about like in Return of the Dragon, my book on uh, psychedelics, I talked about like how, how the Bible warns us against psychedelics because it knows something deep about it. It knows the doors we're opening up when, when we get into psychedelics and Christians have always warned against magic as well. There's always been like this warning of magic. And if science is really just a, a twin of magic and yet we're not warning at all about it. <laughs> like there's no, like, there's no, hey, we better be careful here. There's no, you know, how are you using this? What are you doing to get that knowledge? What are you doing that? I, I just feel like there's a giant, we're putting, we're exposing ourselves to a giant risk that I don't, I haven't fully understood yet. Like as um, research is being done, but I, I see it as something that um, is people haven't, haven't really thought out very well. So as you, as you are, I know you're still researching this, so I'm curious do you foresee yourself becoming more uh, open to the Luddite arguments that technology is something that uh, we should be actively avoiding? Um, uh, or maybe I more sympathetic to that argument? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think I am more sympathetic to that argument than I used to be. Um, on the other hand, like I... The other important aspect is like, I don't think now, like some of the early scientists did their work, I think sincerely in an effort to understand how God operated the universe, right? So I think some of the early science was done to some degree. We read the Bible to, to learn some of the things God did. We study the inner workings of a cell to understand how God built cells. Right. Like, and I, I think, I don't think that's inherently wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. So on, on some level, I, I think there is science and technology that can be good, that can be done for the glory of God. And, and if you think about magic, one of the things C.S. Lewis talked about, J.R.R. Tolkien talked about, um, is there is a divine magic. Like there's a deeper, remember in Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe where uh, Aslan talks to the witch about the, the, the old magic or the dark, deep magic um, that existed. And God in some ways is magical, right? Like there is some aspect to this, you know, you, you plant a seed in your backyard and it turns into a giant tree with apples on it. Like that's a magical thing that takes place. And that's the way God designed this world. So I think they're both with magic and with science. I don't know that they're inherently evil. It's the motivation and it's the processes and it's the things you have to do to get the result that you get um, that make them evil. And I think we need to be skeptical of these things and we need to have um, an ethic for these things and I don't think Christendom has done that with science. I think we did it with magic, but I don't think we've done it with science. Interesting. Okay. Um, 
Anything more on demons and AI before we wrap up with Christian nationalism? No, no. Okay. <laughs> you spoke stupid <laughs> enough. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I'm working on it. Like a lot of this is just like I'm thinking it out right now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. it's very exciting. If it's anything like your former work, Return of the Dragon, it's going to be very, very interesting, thought provoking, and well researched. So, yeah, everybody out there, keep an eye out for, for Lewis when he drops this article and then eventually the book. Um, Christian nationalism, the idea that, nations should be christian they should be using the bible as a central document to organize their society this uh, general understanding that government officials are themselves stewards of god's authority and they are subject to god's judgment is we've argued a great thing and we should be looking to do that now of course, people who aren't Christians don't agree normally. Any and a lot of Christians are very anti-Christian nationalism. But I have been seeing more and more people rejecting the myth of a neutral secular society. I was looking at there. Doctor Jordan Cooper is this Lutheran minister I mentioned earlier who has gone toe to toe with people like Stephen Wolf, William Wolf, proponents of Christian nationalism, talk about how it's a bad idea and blah blah blah. Well, he people have been commenting a lot about artificial intelligence and porn and he said like we should outlaw like this should be outlawed. Like no, just no 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 debate, just this this stuff is just so evil. It just needs to be a straight up outlawed. And remember, he's not he's not a quote unquote Christian nationalist. And somebody commented, well, you know, what about the secular, you know, neutral state? Like, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And he Dr. Cooper responded, there is no such thing as a neutral state that <laughs> like, this that. So I, I am glad, even though Christian nationalism itself has still a lot of people who don't like it and for a variety of reasons. But. I have been seeing more and more Christians rejecting the notion that there is such a thing as a neutral secular state. We people have been like the drag shows for kids and like all these different things. People are become like, oh, like this is actually what trying to have a secular society where everybody does what's right in their own eyes. This is we're at, we're seeing the the logical endpoint for where that leads people engaging in more and more evil. So that, that makes me hopeful that Christian nationalism will, people will be more open to it, but. Yeah, I I feel like um, as a people, as a world, we have to decide which way we're going because the neutral, as you said, is absolutely not a real thing, right? So it's just, there is no neutral. Um, you're either going down the path of darkness, right? You think about all this um, neo-paganism, all this, which really, I mean, the LGBT movement really is neo-paganism. It's, it's, it's not some secular scientific idea. They're like you're, you're reawakening what was very common in ancient Rome and ancient Greece and, you know, Mesoamerica, et cetera. You're reawakening kind of a lack of moral standards when it comes to sex that almost every society has had. So basically we're just 
rolling back, you know, we're going to neo-paganism. So we, as a society, we need to decide, do we want to go to neo-paganism as the state religion, you know, um, something like ancient Rome, or do we want to remain what the West has been up until the last 50 years, which is a Christian nationalist and you know, I, I feel like those are, it's the which way Western man kind of thing is we have to make that decision of which, which path we want to go down. And it's not neutral either way. And so this idea of neutrality has been an incredible tool for the neo-paganism. You know, it's been an incredible tool yep. for that. Um, is like, hey, you know, we're neutral. Therefore, I'm just going to do this strip show in front of these little kids. Don't, you know, like we're neutral. Stop bothering me. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, something that we want to engage in. Yeah, yeah. So we're not forcing anybody to watch this. And and that's been an incredible tool for them. But it won't be a tool. They they won't notice. They won't appeal to the neutrality when they disagree with us, right? Like when it's it's only when they want to do something we disagree with that they appeal to it. But when it comes to like us, especially if you're a baker, I've noticed if you're if you're a baker, then you have yeah, uh, yep. Yeah, you so have the, to bake whatever you're told to so bake. The neutrality is is a very fake thing, and they know it's a very fake thing, right? They don't they don't care. They only use it because they think we believe in it, and so. Well, and a lot of us do. Like, I, there was a class at church. We were learning how to read the Bible, like different types of literature that's in the Bible, whatever. And I had brought up Christian nationalism. And there, and uh, another Christian, another guy there was like, "Well, the Constitution, like, you know, we the the No Establishment Clause, you know, a lot of Christians are like, look, man, like, it, you know, the Constitution, it, it is what it is." And I, I, I hate every time that's brought up. I just want like that was Establishment Clause that was uniting different Christian nations <laughs> together. That that was how Quakers. And Presbyterians and Congregationalists, everybody was able to get together, proclaim yeah. all of them proclaiming that Christ is King, but they're not establishing a Presbyterian. Like there, there were no pagan states, there were no Muslim states. It, it was a federation of Christian states using yeah. that establishment clause to get to band together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like there's number one what people think the constitution says about religion it doesn't say but number two if it did the constitution would be wrong like people <laughs> like people are like well we must unfortunately these guys oh, you know 200 gonna, years ago made these rules so we're all i'm gonna repost all this of, uh, all, of, all the future <laughs> there, there's a christian libertarian that they hosted a space said um Christian nationalism is not constitutional. I didn't have a chance to go join the space, or whatever. But I, I just want to be like, who cares? Yeah, like, yes. I, like, like, why would I care? Like, oh, Christian nationalism isn't. I can't. You know, it's not yeah. it's constitutional. Like, darn it, they made yeah. the rules 250 years ago, so like, we're stuck. We like, can't if, do if anything. You're, if you're a Christian, ask yourself: Are you going to be judged according to the United States Constitution? Or are you going to be judged by the word of God? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, that's it's very. It becomes very obvious when you think about it in terms of eternity. Yeah, uh, 
we're at the pearly gates and peter is like let me get the book all right and the book is the constitution how did you know? <laughs> right did you know? yeah you're like be like oh where are you from <laughs> oh okay so oh uh, okay yep you you violated the the establishment clause by pushing <laughs> christian nationalism you yeah. can't you can't come in um yeah it, you know it, came, didn't you know that christ kingdom was not of this world what are you doing yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and but it is funny like like you pointed out that's not even true like they the founding fathers did not establish an atheist state they it's simply not true they didn't they didn't do it so even if that was the case which is ridiculous but even if it was the case that we were going to get judged based on the constitution and what the founding fathers intended like they didn't intend this and and there was each state as you as you said had religious qualifications for their representatives from day one and they kept them well into the 19th century some of them had it on the books into the 20th century so even if they weren't following the rules they had it yep. on the books in the 20th century so like the the it's so frustrating like we were established as a christian nation and and frankly a lot of the countries in europe still are christian nations you know they even on paper at least they don't they don't follow those yep. but they're on paper they're still christian you know like there's a lot of well and, and, and to this point i actually i saw a map somebody posted of where globally where gay marriage is permissible is legal and North America, of course, South America, with the exception of Peru, and then, it, but then in Western Europe, you, the Scandinavian countries, and that's really it. France, Italy, yeah. like places where we think are like these liberal bastions of secularism. No, actually, they don't even allow gay marriage. Yep. So, it's, yeah, and I and I. I think this bears repeating. The Establishment Clause was for Christians who had different ways of worshiping Christ, different ways of proclaiming Christ as their king. The Establishment Clause allowed them to band together under a single federation so they could usurp a common enemy. It was not designed so that secular, pagan, other religions, religious states would be able to join the United States. That was not the intention. Go go look it up. And if they had tried to roll that out, every single state would have left the union, right? Like if that, a lot of people are like, "Well, Thomas Jefferson was, you know, he was pretty, uh, he was pretty deist and didn't really." Okay, yeah, but Thomas Jefferson like wasn't the so, king, right? Like he he didn't. Thomas Jefferson didn't get to like decide things for everybody, right? So he he ultimately was working within this relationship with the colonies and all that stuff. And, and so it was decided together and the way it was decided together allowed for the establishment of religion within the States. So, so it, this is something I've been curious about and I, and I need to research it, but I, so I wonder, so we like Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, they seem to be more like that. We know they were Freemasons. They, we know they were more deist, we wouldn't, you know, a, a lot of people would make strong arguments that they weren't actually, the, those particular forefathers were not actually themselves Christian, as, as certainly in ways that we would define Christianity. I wonder if their contributions, like their, their role in shaping 
the United States is maybe not over exaggerated, but maybe over highlighted and we it overshadows the actual real like true Bible believing Christians who played a large role in forming our government. Uh, and, I, and I wonder if they're they are promoted more because they are more universalist in their theology. So it better helps that myth of neutrality to propagate because those are the forefathers that are often highlighted when we look at American history. Very possible. Yeah, that's, that's very possible. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think there certainly was a vein of kind of enlightenment thinking going on with some of the founding fathers. Um, but without a question, like, each individual state, each individual colony didn't buy into that. So it, it, whatever vein there was to the extent that it was strong or weak, it was not enough to like the, the popular consensus and even the consensus at all the state levels was not enough to like overrule that. And it's worth noting, like all three of those guys to some degree or another, um, were Christian nationalists also <laughs> like, I mean, you like listen to George Washington's um, farewell address and it's very Christian nationalist. And, and it's, and you could argue and, uh, and someone I'm sure will argue like, well, he was just saying that because he knew that he was speaking to majority Christians, which makes the point <laughs> that we're yeah. like, it was everybody. There was this general understanding that this, this was a Christian nation. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things with the founding fathers that I respect about Thomas Jefferson or whatever. Like, I think that when you have a Christian nationalism and you say we as a country are Christian. And I, it was interesting with um, King when Prince Charles became king recently and he gave the speech, um, he was talking about um, Anglicanism and he said he said, this is my faith. You know, this is something he basically, even though his whole life he's been a stupid liberal world economic forum and that kind of stuff, because he is now the king of England, he had to affirm that faith. He had to say, this is my faith. And that's kind of what Christ, Christian nationalism doesn't demand that every king, every every politician or whatever is in their heart of hearts a true Christian or whatever. It doesn't require that. It does require verbal assent. It does require um, adherence to, you know, uh, good standing within the church, et cetera, et cetera. And so it requires like this church um, structure around that person. So um, that's what I require. Like I don't require it. George Washington was in good standing in his church. He attended church and um, that's good enough for me. Like he was, he was whether or not in his heart of hearts, he believed I, you know, like it's not my business. Um, but I do want my leaders to be verbally assent, assenting that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I do want them to um, enact laws that are consistent with that. And I do that want them under the authority of the church. And if they get excommunicated, I have a problem with that, right? Like so, um, and and I think that gives the authority to the church when 
know, you go back throughout history when the church excommunicated a leader, it was a big deal. And the leader didn't want to be in that situation. And that allowed a big check on power um, that we don't have today. Um, now it's just like you, 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 the church excommunicates whatever Nancy Pelosi, she doesn't care. I mean, like uh, it makes zero difference to her um, that she gets excommunicated because almost all of her followers don't care. And we're a secular government and we don't care as a, you know, like there's no consequences to her whatsoever, but even atheists that are in a Christian nationalist place that have to say, I'm a Christian. They do care because it has all these legal consequences for them and practical consequences, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think yeah, church polity needs to come back as like a, like we need to take that a lot more seriously than we have. We, you know, there's a lot of Christian or professing Christians that gravitate to different teachers, celebrity pastors, whatever. Like we've talked about that before where like, Hey, what, if you want to be a government official, you want to run for mayor, governor, whatever, right? there should be laws. If we're a Christian nation, there should be laws where you are a standing member of a Christian church. You, you are subject to the authority of your local elders. Like you would think like for Christians, like, yeah, well, that'd be, a, that would be great. Uh, but yeah, people are, are still very, very opposed uh, that the myth of neutrality, like the yada, yada, like, well, we should be more free. Nah, nah, we shouldn't like, let, like, look around you. This is, this is where neutrality has gotten. And, and do you see where we're going? We're not, we're not staying here. We're not, we're not, we're like, you think it's bad now without pushing back. We're going to continue going down this, this, this path of neutrality. It's, it's not going to get better. And, and it's not going to be static either. We're not staying here. It's we are drifting, or or, or some say accel accelerating towards whatever neo pagan leftism we're currently headed towards. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And it's um, like I said, it's a dark outcome. Like the people, I was in a debate with some people on Twitter yesterday about this. Is like people think that pagan like they've done such a good job of painting Christianity as this like um, dark force of inquisitions and slavery and um, crusades and like a pre you know, pedophile priests, et cetera. And like, they've done such a good job of like casting it as this dark force in the world. A lot of people are like, Hey, if we went to like neo-paganism, the world would be way better. It'd be like a way nicer place. And they don't like, it's such a bad understanding of history where you like rewind to actual pre-christian no christian influence on the world and it is dark 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 like you go to you go to like rome and we're like oh rome is like these intelligent thoughtful people that knew science and architecture and that kind of stuff yeah and they also hung like people on crosses at you know, and had a slave society where most cities was the majority of people were slaves and they had infanticide on an epic level where it's like, you know, two out of three gravestones are, are, are male gravestones because the female were all killed and like as infants. And like there was, there was like, yeah. they don't realize how dark it gets with neo-paganism and like it, Aztecs are a great example. And, and yeah. like, a lot of people think of like Aztecs as this weird exception of, of violence, but it's not it, like it, there's almost all neo-pagan societies. It gets very, very dark. So Christianity 
gets painted as this evil force, but almost always we're getting judged by our Christian standards where it's like, oh, Inquisition, you know, how dare we kill people for their own personal views and like innocent people were getting killed. And if if you went to Julius Caesar and you were like, hey, you know, you killed 5,000 people because they're views. He's like, yes, I did. And I'm <laughs> glad I did. And I would it do was it the again, right thing right? to do. Like, yeah, like there would be um, no hesitation. And, and so we judge Christianity by Christian standards. And it's um, it, it should tell you all you need to know about the importance of Christianity. I, I, I was debating whether or not to go here. So maybe you want to preemptively denounce me. But uh, <laughs> this neo-paganism route that we're going towards, because one other element that we don't talk about paganism inherently hates women uh the reasons you cited about like well look who infanticide what gender that typically affected more why is that why does paganism have this hatred towards women and and i think it's rearing its head again with the trans movement you're having biological males transitioning to women using women's faces and if biological women, people who have always been women, have a problem with it, then they're ostracized. Their their opinion is not their their opinion is only as valid as it serves the trans ideology. If it differs, then they're subhuman. Then they're less than. So so, what is this neo paganism movement doing? It's taking men and telling women what they can and cannot do like it's it's it is so but this is but this is everything that they say christianity does christianity was so backwards christianity tells women that no women's rights you look at its history it comes from christianity it comes from the bible and neo-paganism is dragging women back down usurping their rights their opinions are only as valid as they support the trans ideology. It's it's happening in front of our very eyes. The, the paganism that's coming back up and putting women is the second class citizenship. Yeah, and I think um, I mean when we talk about neo paganism, one of the things that I think to circle back to some of the stuff we've already talked about, and I know we're at an hour and a half here, so maybe we do a different show on this, but. Um, I think it is important to remember that there are real spirits behind this stuff. You know, to get back to the entities, there's real entities behind this stuff. And it's not imaginary. It's not humans creating these systems. It's it's real stuff. And they really hate humanity. And they really want to destroy humanity because ultimately humanity is the image of God. And humanity is is something beautiful. And... I think at its core, there's this hatred of the innocence. And um, that's why you see in society's babies being killed, infanticide being almost universal everywhere. And, you know, we, t we've talked about abortion rising up just as all this neo-paganism, as this psychedelics, as all this stuff comes back into society, abortion all of a sudden is legal and widespread. Um, so there's this hatred of humanity and especially innocence and especially the weak. And I think as a whole, like an easy place to do that is through women, right? They're weaker than men physically and um, they are um, the source of um, fertility, 
right? Uh, they're they're the source of babies. Get get women to chop off their breasts and take testosterone, and you won't have babies anymore, right? So there's this 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 anti-human aspect that I think gets manifested as anti-woman um, as well. Um, one of the things that Will from Renaissance of Men was talking about on his podcast recently was how um, a lot of the entities that you see on psychedelics promote feminine feminine nature of men. They have a feminine, they're female gods that encourage weakness in men. They encourage the feminine. So it's, it goes both ways, right? So there's the, the masculinizing of women, the oppression of women, the destruction of women as infants, etc. And then on the male side, there's the weakening of men, feminizing of men, weak, you know, that like, so that all, as we talk about like neo-paganism and LGBT all coming together, like that all comes together with, with all that, where there's this kind of reversal of the created order, which is interesting when you read St. Paul in the book of Romans, he's talking about like how humans turned against God and he lists all these things that they did. And kind of the, the peak of that is this reversal of the male, female roles and this, and he said they even men even turn their affections to one another, and women even turn their affections to one another. It's like they did all this, and then they reverse the created order, and like that—that's kind of the ultimate goal of the entities is to reverse the created order, and that's what we're seeing today. Is what we saw in ancient Rome. Is what we saw in ancient Greece. Is what we saw in Mesoamerica, et cetera, et cetera. It's like just this is the way it rolls and it's a dark path that we're going down and um yeah and, and christian nationalism is the antidote it is a necessary step yeah yeah it's a necessary step for sure well, hey thank you guys for hanging out with us for an hour and a half uh i was worried our speaker wasn't a featured guest wasn't able to make it. And I was worried if we were going to have a, uh, a good long enough conversation and, and we maybe even longer than when we have a guest. So <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah. You and I can uh, talk for hours about anything. I think so, so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned will of Renaissance men. He's actually set to come next week. So tune in. He just recorded his hundredth episode on his podcast and last time we had him we were one of the things that came up was like well what about eschatology what about post-millennialism and what are some implications for christian men like so i'm very interested to have him come back and delve into more of those topics about masculinity we're we're also set up to have a bitcoin versus gold versus dollar battle royale so we uh, somebody I know who is a Bitcoin maxi in spite of my, it's <laughs> in, in spite of my arguments against it. He's that he believes Bitcoin is the future and he has agreed to come on and get lambasted by Lewis and myself, Lewis, big fan of gold. I am a fiat shill myself. Uh, so we'll, we'll battle, we'll duke it out here in the not so distant future. So you have that looking for to look forward to. And we will eventually get the gentleman from Kenya to come talk to us about carbon emission efforts, uh, efforts to curb that in Africa and Kenya specifically, and why he believes fossils 
the fossil fuels hold a great amount of benefits for himself, his his people, his country. So a lot of interesting conversations. We think they're very interesting conversations uh, slated to come in the future. Uh, do you got anything else for us, Lewis? I'll run all those ideas past Steven Crowder and see what he thinks and whether it'll go <laughs> clicks or not. And then uh, we might have to change the, the future plan based on that. So. There, there, you go. But, uh, there you go. Yeah. In terms of things to promote, as always, yeah, check out my Twitter. Um, I am Lewis. You is the handle. Um, my Substack is Lewis Ungit.substack.com. You want to check out articles, et cetera, please do that. Um, that's a good place to, to do it. And, uh, you know, check out my book on Amazon that's on psych it's about psychedelics and covers a lot of topics we just talked about, which is Return of the Dragon. If you just search Lewis U, by the way, for all this, Lewis is spelled with the E, not the O-U. So L-E-W-I-S um, is how you spell Lewis. There you go. I, you can catch me at Addicted Number 2 Grace, Addicted to Grace. Uh I always do a master, not, I shouldn't say always. There have been times where I've failed to make a master thread, but most of the time I make a master thread of everything that we talked about. If you're like, oh, the, the uh, what was that episode about demon and AI art? You know, I, I post all of that on my Twitter so you don't have to go digging for it. You can just look at the thread and find whatever you want to research on your own. So like us, like, subscribe, or on Twitter, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.